I remember distinctly thinking, like, if I died here, would I be okay with that? And it was a yes, because I felt like I was living in my purpose. Like, there was a reason I met these people. There was a reason they adopted me. And there's a reason that we were getting traction with buying 3,000 acres of land and drilling water wells. And I kind of reconciled in my mind, I'd rather do that than be 80-something years old and have a few people around me that loved me that, um, but still had those questions, what if? Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Round two. Welcome to Overcome with Justin Wren. It's another Q&A episode. Awesome. We're going to ask Justin questions and... It is not a lightning round, so we're going to do lots more of these. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ready? I'm excited. We've gotten questions. Thank you to everyone that has listened to the show that's wrote them in. We'd encourage you to keep doing that. So let's, uh, let's get into it. We love your feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Truly from the bottom of my heart, we'd love to hear more from you and interact with you Mm -hmm. and know how we can make the show better and answer your questions. Yeah, and if you want to write a review and put a question in there, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Put it on Apple Reviews for the show, and we will definitely check those out because this is going to be an ongoing thing. We have too many questions. So not too many, but we have too many to get to in one episode. So we love them all, and we want to get to them all. So we'll just keep doing this mm-hmm. and putting these out periodically. So yeah. I'm really excited to do that. Because it's Me really too. fun. I had I had a great time this last one, so I'm well, excited I'm, to do I'm, this again. I'm glad my eye candy isn't sitting beside me and sitting in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to start with another important one like last time. Okay. Which we talked about your hair. Yes. This is a big one. Are you ready? Would you ever shave your beard? Wow. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> You're like, it's my brand. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's my beard. It's my beard, which I do love beard brand. Mm -hmm. Uh, They always cut my beard and they have great products. Um, Would I ever cut my beard? Would you ever? Can you think of a circumstance when you might shave your beard? I think you'd cry. Well, apparently your ex-wife did ask you to shave your beard once. Once. And you did did it. And she cried. And I think I, she I, I was devastated. She was crying, seeing my face. I was like, oh, no, cover this thing back up. She was like, can you grow it back? And she was putting her hands oh, over my ouch, face. And ouch. I was like, please grow it back. <laughs> she goes and buys you a fake Santa beard yeah, to wear around the house. Yeah. No, I, I think I do have a baby face. And uh, I, I think I'm a Viking. I, I have I, seen I, pictures of you without a beard. It's fine. 
Yeah, but yes. I I had to keep a razor at school because I just my parents sent me to private school because I was being bullied from after eighth grade, and so uh, went to private school for high school and. They had dress code and stuff. So I had to keep a razor at school because I had to shave so much and no, everyone else would shave and then they wouldn't shave for like two weeks or something. And I would have to shave like every other day at school and, uh, it should have been in my That's morning. That's pretty routine. rare for a blonde, you know, like usually I, it's like softer. And, well, when you, when you met me, my hair was what a foot shorter. Yeah. And I've donated 12 inches of it two different Your times. Your hair grows. Or 10 to 12 inches. You have no problem growing hair. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> I was just seeing that. <laughs> Wasn't that just yesterday? Did some trimming yesterday. Yesterday yes. in the shower, mm-hmm. you shaved my mm-hmm. back. Some Thank back you for trimming. That, You're my, welcome. My back tattoo gets blurry. It does, but see, it's just blurry because <laughs> it's all blonde. So it's really, you know. Got to comb through it to see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Part the. Let's get, let's get a little more serious. Scene. Okay. So this says, at the, la- at the end of the last Q&A, which I would encourage everyone to listen to if they haven't, it's great, you just barely mentioned your comeback fight. Mm. And so this question seems to really follow. And I wanted to get into this right away because I know this is on a lot of people's mind. A lot of people I have even heard in our conversations, they'll say, uh, what, wait, you're going to go back to fighting, you know? And so here you said, come back fight. So this person asked, I've followed you since ultimate fighter. When are you going to fight again? It's a good question. It's going to be when I'm ready. And that's going to be this year. (laughs) So, uh, we, I talked to, uh, a matchmaker for Bellator yesterday. I talked to the president, uh, two weeks ago. And there's potential that it could possibly come to Austin, which is epic. I'm not sure I'm supposed to say that. that. Let's float it out there. Let's float it out there. Um, But if they don't do that, they might come to uh, Houston. They they always go to Windstar in Oklahoma, right on the border where Dallas people can come easily. And I could fight anywhere. I mean, they mentioned Dublin and other places. So I know that we'd like to travel. But I think it'd be epic if it came to Austin. And if that was going to happen, it'd be the fall, the fall or winter. So that gives me time to prepare, gives me time to go back to Uganda and really see the boots on the ground and see how we can pick up traction. We already have so much momentum there. But when it comes to fighting, uh, I'm excited because we've talked about a few names. I won't throw those out there yet. And they're just saying, hey, when I'm ready, at least let them know three months. But if Austin's actually a possibility, which I think it would be great for Bellator because Austin's so happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think Texas MMA is really grown over the years. It's always been strong. Well, I mean, you can't bring Joe here and not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And everybody that's moved here from Gordon Ryan to Nikki Rod. I mean, Tim Kennedy's here. Shanji Hibero, I mean, so many greats, and I'm not even mentioning half of them. I mean, people that have yeah. moved from Europe, people that have moved from New York, people that have moved from New Jersey, people that have moved from California, people that have moved uh, from Brazil. I mean, it's it's the spot to be. So I think we could host something really great here. Maybe we could get someone like Rory McDonald, um, 
fought for the UFC championship, Bellator champion, like have him here. And him and I headline a card together, plus all of the slew of uh, an incredible crew from Bellator. I mean, we've got some of the best fighters in the world. And I love them. They're fighters first. We can get great people there. I mean, we saw Jared Padalecki last night. And uh, he like bum rushed us with a hug at Soho House, and and think he would come be front and center, and then I could have Raiden there, could have Chris Murphy there, we could have B Tech from Uganda there, our team leader, and we could uh, we could honestly use it as an opportunity to even fundraise for Fight for the Forgotten. So what I love about coming back to fight is that it's for a purpose. I know that whenever I'm in the cage, no matter who it is across from me, no matter who it is, they don't have the same reasons I have to win. And so when it comes to heart and I believe mental toughness, like that's my game. But why do you want to come back? I want to come back because I have unfinished business. Which is? Which is I haven't fought sober really. Ooh. I mean, three times and I won all those. I'm on a six fight win streak and I need to test myself and heavyweights. Some people might think, oh, he's about to be 35, but heavyweights are strongest in their thirties and even early forties. And so I've got time. I've got time on my side still. But as I say that, Time's ticking and it's time to go. So, um, but what, what's your goal? What's my goal? Was that the question? No. <laughs> my goal is to make a real run, a real run at the championship in Bellator. I've got a five fight deal with them and I plan on fighting out all five of those. And oh my God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I have to hold it open-handed and say, what does life have for me? Yeah. Because I think I've talked to this with the Bellator team and, and with Joe and with so many that, that love and support me, which is, I'm, I'm so grateful for, but, um, a lot of fighters retire with nothing or they stay too long and they get really hurt and injured and they get knocked out too many times. So I have no plans to go out on a losing streak. Um, so I'll, I'll reevaluate after every fight, but I will have raised the bar of necessity to win every fight. It's the person with the most reasons that usually wins. And I've got more reasons than whoever's standing across from me. Um, I mean, I am providing for my family, you, the girls, but I'm also going to be literally drilling wells or digging latrines or uh, starting up farms or helping build a health center that's going to be treating waterborne disease and malaria and delivering safe births for wonderful, lovely babies um, and having emergency services and emergency room and providing a school. So when I get in there, I'm going to be backstage looking at the pictures of the kids that I love and the pygmy people that I love. They adopted me in. They named me the big pygmy. <laughs> and 
So I'm fighting for them. I'm fighting so I can get the microphone and share who I fight for, why I'm fighting and who I fight for. And I've always had this mentality, but I have it more than ever now that when that cage door locks, like I'm not locked in here with him. He's locked in here with me and he's not going to have an easy fight. It's my fight. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. That? You mentioned a couple things in there that uh, alluded to some other questions that are in here. Okay. So I'm going to ask a couple of those. I think I'll go with the first one since we're talking about this right now. Sure. What does loss mean to you? And, you know, when I first read that question, I, did, I wasn't thinking that it meant about fighting, but I think it's kind of cool to talk about it in that context. What does loss mean to you? Oh, loss can mean a lot of things. But loss to me is kind of being redefined. Loss is being redefined as having more in the tank and not using it, not using the fuel to the fire. Like if I leave the cage and there was more that I could have done, but I didn't, that's a loss. But if I do go in there and I fight somebody that, and this is hard for me to say as a competitor, but if I fight somebody that was just better than me on that given day and outclassed me or outskilled me in some sort of way, and but I left it all out there, then I can just go back to the drawing board and be like, you know what? I had the right intentions. I had the, all the reasons in the world and he just had it that day. But it'll still be a tough pill to swallow because I'm a competitor. And traditionally, um, while I'm walking out of the cage, even after getting my hand raised, I'm already thinking about what I could have done better. That's just, that's just a competitor. You're thinking <laughs> about, I should have done this. I could have done that. And go backstage and I'm already asking my coaches, ah, he, he did this and I could have done it that way. And they're like, yeah, you could have, but hey, just soak up the victory. I know. Like, just, I was you, about you to won. say that. And so I think, I think trying to go into it with a new mindset where when I win, being just grateful for the win. Yeah. And if I lose, which I don't even want to say that because uh, of the competitor spirit, but if I say, you know what, I gave it my all and I was in here for all the right reasons and maybe I didn't get to get on the microphone right after the fight cause I didn't win. But, um, but people know why I was in there. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. All right. Here's one that also you were talking about everybody moving here. Somebody said, do you live in Austin? Yes. And I think. And why? Yeah. You could I live why. in Austin because of this hot babe, Amy Edwards, <laughs> um, who I might change my name to Justin Christopher <laughs> Edwards Wren when, uh, when I get that great moment to marry her. And I'm gazing into her eyes right now. That's why I took a break. But I... What do you think of Austin so far? I love it. It's the best city in the world to me. Um, why? Because what the about people. It? The people. The setting of it's pretty nice too. Setting's awesome. Yeah. I mean, nature in the city. You can be paddle boarding by skyscrapers. <laughs> and well, literally you can take a right turn and you have skyscrapers to your back and you're inside Turtle Town on the paddle boards and uh, you're seeing hundreds of turtles underneath you, which is pretty cool. Uh, but I just think it's a really unique community. 
Um, people seem to be really philanthropic. People want to get behind whatever it is you're doing. And, and I think you want to get behind what they're doing. You know what? I'm in this mentorship program right now through creative, creative futures collective. And, um, last night we had a mentor meeting and he said he's been doing them in LA and all over the country. They do it all over North America. And he goes, y'all are the most engaged, active group of mentors I've ever had. Wow. And we were like, wow, thank you. And I think it's something about Austin. Like we just feel energized or yeah. something. And I think, I think Austin's still in Texas. So there is this. Oh yeah. We're still Texans for yeah. sure. Speaking as an long time Austinite. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Texan. So mm-hmm. it's, I'm back home and o- Oklahoma city still the home base of fight for the forgotten for the time being. <laughs> and but there's something special about Austin. Like it's still a cool, hip city. People are very health conscious. Um, there's some that are very spiritually minded and there's the best, I think top one or two recovery communities in all the country, maybe all the world. So many people are engaged and active in that. Um, and the MMA community is blowing up and on it is right here is a sponsor of the show, but Truly, I mean, being welcomed with open arms and just being able to go to the members' classes, then the staff uh, workouts, and then one-on-one sessions, and then whenever I hit another low point, being able to tell the team that I relapsed. And, you know, they could have judged me away, but instead they loved me back in and said, go get help. We want you to be the best you can be. We want total human optimization, which yesterday when I did a... Uh, IG live with, with on it. I said, I think, I think I'm, I'm looking for total humanitarian optimization. <laughs> and so <laughs> you guys help me optimize my, my health, which helps me in this health center, you know, like mm-hmm. you guys are making me better mind, body, soul. Mm-hmm. Now I get to go take that into the world. So that's cute. thank you. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> well, I just have to take a moment real quick and thank the sponsors of this show on it. Onit.com slash overcome. You can save yourself 10% on Alpha Brain or New Mood or Total Human. Some of my absolute favorites. And I'm just so grateful for their support. This show wouldn't exist without them. So thank you so much, Onit, for sponsoring the show. And also thank you for helping me get optimized. Total Human Optimization. I also coined something maybe cheesy, but I think it's kind of cute. It's Total Humanitarian Optimization. No, they help me when I'm going into a long meeting for development work, community development, and I just love the way that I feel, getting into that flow state faster, feeling like I stay there longer, and have had so many friends try it and absolutely love it. If you haven't tried it, you can try it for free. There's an Alpha Brain free trial. I think you get 15 days of free Alpha Brain, so please, what's the risk? Put it to the test. I would love to hear your feedback on it. Try it, the world-class nootropic that uh, really helps increase clarity, your memory, and I think it helps me engage in conversation and just feel like I'm firing on all cylinders so much better. So onit.com slash overcome. You can try it for free, Alpha Brain for free, and uh, you can save yourself 10% on all Onit products at overcome or onit.com slash every time overcome every time the <laughs> on O's. it on it.com slash overcome and at checkout don't forget to type in overcome yep thank you so much
You know what? I'm glad you mentioned on it. Actually, um, I don't have a question here about on it, but I just thought of one myself. And how did you first hook up with on it? Yeah, that's interesting because um, I went on Joe's podcast and I had an alpha brain uh, before the show. I don't even know if we talked about it during the show. He might have asked me how I was feeling and I probably gave it great reviews because I remember that first time I took it, I was like, whoa, I'm firing on all cylinders. What is this? And it's a nootropic and uh, alpha brain. And that was my first introduction to the products, but now total human and everything else. But while I was in Africa, one of the team members of Onnit, um, I think his name was George, he sent me a care package to Uganda which I then had to go retrieve from Congo, but I was retrieving um, well drilling equipment. And if I could sum it up, I was nutrient deprived. I was, uh, I needed some supplements because I was living on rice and beans and felt protein deficient, except for whenever they got like a wild game kill of wild antelope or whatever. And I, I had, new mood, which helped put me to sleep. Um, and I had alpha brain and I just, it was just really, really good for me. Um, I had a lot of stuff. I had the protein, I had the greens, I had, I had some really great stuff and that was probably eight years ago. And it gave me the extra fuel on the well drilling sites. And I remember when I would see someone kind of down and dehydrated, I'd give them some stuff and they'd just be wow. a, new, a new human. <laughs> and um, That's so cool. like life would come back into them. And I'm not making that up. Like life would come back into them. And the only problem was I didn't have enough for everybody. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, but yeah. And then uh, through Aubrey and Brendan actually hooked me up. Brendan Schaub hooked me up with Aubrey and, uh, him and I became great friends and because of Aubrey, we met you and me. That's right. And then I just got sucked into the gravitational pool <laughs> and the, the vortex of Austin, Texas. Austin and on it. And Austin and on it and mm -hmm. all things. And I got to start my own podcast here yeah. and. But you're an on it pro athlete. Yep, yep. I'm an on it pro and that developed naturally. It wasn't. Really them asking it me. It sounds like very natural. And it wasn't me asking them. It was just like. One day we just kind of looked at each other like, we're going to, we're going to do this after like close to a year of me working out there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I love the coaches there. They're cream, cream of the crop. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. That is how they're, you say it. they're, they're the best. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. We're going to do something different now. Ready? Ready. This is two different questions and I'm going to read them together. Okay. So take what you want and answer how you want. First one says, when my son tells me kids aren't being nice, I have to realize there's another side to the story mm. and it might not be bullying at all. How do parents investigate and discern in these situations? The second question, what, do, what things do my kids need to hear from their dad every day to provide a defense against hurtful things they might have heard from other kids? So I guess we're talking one about how do you figure out what the situation is and the other one is like, you know... What do I tell my kids when they're being bullied? Yeah. That's so a, first, maybe figuring out the situation. Questions. Yeah, really great. I would say that it's not always bullying, but a lot of times it is. I mean, from someone that's been through it, 
and through it at the extreme level from eight years old to 13 years old, five years of it, sitting at the lunch table by myself most times, getting pelted in the back of the head with chocolate milk spit wads and food and fist as kids would walk by and laugh and act like they're throwing a harpoon at me because I was the size of a whale and twisting my nipples and pulling my shirt up to give me pink bellies and hit me in the back of the head in the locker room with a football helmet, giving me the size of like a half a baseball or tennis ball. That story is horrifying. Well, in the back of my head, taking my clothes and throwing them under the bleachers while there's a girls volleyball game going on. And I don't even have a towel. There was like a hand towel I could cover myself with. So you had to go out there with a hand towel on and get your clothes? I was, I was lucky enough that after I just waited until the game was over and then so finally someone brought me my clothes. Um, wow. Yeah. I didn't go out there. I was too embarrassed. And other moments, you know, going to costume parties that weren't really costume parties, just me dressing up. Right. Um, so, so there definitely is bullying. And I would say that to kind of classify it, well, I'll, I don't know why the CDC stats come into my mind, but they say the third at risk for suicide is the bully. The second at risk is the victim one that's being bullied. And then you're like, well, who would be number one at risk? It's the one on both ends. It's the one that is bullied. Doesn't know how to handle it and acts out as a bully. And I don't even truly like defining a human being as a bully, but there are probably one out of 10. I've seen stats where there are those kids that kind of have more of a a lack of empathy and they are a bully and that's how they feed off of, uh, people's pain. Um, but then the other nine out of 10, you can, you can change those kids. You can, you can encourage them to, to, to live differently, act differently. And so in the situations, I think, I think it, it varies on that child, their level of sensitivity, Um, their emotions, whether it's at home or at school or both, a lot of times the person that's acting out as a bully at school is being bullied at home. Thinking of one kid, I'll just call Michael, uh, that I grew up with in an elementary school and he was incredibly abused at home. And so he, yeah, cause that abuse counts as, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know if Michael's still in jail, but I, I probably could have said that's where he was headed is Parents were in and out of jail, both of them. He brought a knife to school, brought a gun to school, um, was one of the kids that would really pick on me and ended up doing like an armed robbery. And, um, you know, it's really hard for kids that, uh, that have that kind of home life not to act out, not to act out when they're, when they're taking all the punishment. And so, but well, not I think, only that, you model what you see a lot of times. And so he didn't know how to have a any kind of other relationship probably right whenever he probably didn't really experience much if Mm-mm. any love at home right how does he start to demonstrate that oh that makes me so sad yeah yeah i'm thinking about another moment where this i'll just say a person i won't even give uh the gender but a person was was in a, a really vicious bullying moment where they beat up somebody people are like how could that person do it and in me doing some digging and fight for the forgotten doing some digging, that person watched their own father 
murder their mother in front of their eyes. And then was at home with grandparents that didn't even have electricity at home. And so that person themselves was really suffering. So that's how they acted out. I think though, to be able to see and distinguish your child, I think you, a parent will know a child more than anybody else or should. And I think there's micro traumas. Like there's a a book I want to have the author as a guest. It's called the body keeps the score. And I know it, I know it because I've, I've felt bullied as an adult at times and I feel myself reverting back to that wounded inner child. And so I think to build up resilience, um, kids can, can ask questions, uh, back to the person that's bullying them, or they can stand up for someone else being bullied, saying something as simple as, Hey, that's not kind. And I think really creating a safe space for that child to communicate with the parents. I had the best mom. And even with that, I didn't share a lot of the moments with her, only the big ones that I couldn't hide. And then once she knew, once I opened up, that's whenever she could, and my dad could help make the appropriate changes, which was get me out of that school. And that was probably the best thing they've ever done for me because I found wrestling and I found an outlet and I found something to focus on and it can be a creative outlet. Like and, you, I, and you totally had a new identity. I mean, yeah. you were like the popular kid. Yeah. I literally went from, uh, I went from being, being unwelcomed at school to welcomed with open arms and from being a kid that would never be on the homecoming court to being nominated for prom King, like in homecoming King. And, uh, that was wild. Um, well, you just got to flourish yeah, in a totally different way. Yeah. And I got a new start and I had to have two of those. Yeah. I went to two high schools. Yeah. I mean, you're such a people person. Like, but I didn't discover I was until my junior, senior year. Yeah. And so I think parents can do little things, you know, they can be more involved in their child's life and put the phone down and have family dinners take them out to a place they love to eat. Um, if, if home dinners aren't what you do at first, I didn't grow up with very many home cooked meals. I'm forcing and, myself now. I'm like, now that they're teenagers, I'm like forcing myself. To have home cooked meals? Yeah, that's why yeah. I ordered from the meal delivery service. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it can be challenging to distinguish if it's actual bullying or not, but if there's, if there's name calling with an intent to hurt or scar or traumatize, I mean, there's, there's playful jabs and stuff like that, that kid need, kids need to weather the storm. But I, I've tried to shift in, at least in my adult life to saying, I need tough skin to maintain a soft heart and not the other way around where you have soft skin and then you have a hardened heart. Um, so that's even been a little prayer or mantra of mine is like, let me have tough skin so I can have a, keep a soft heart, you know, cause I don't, I don't want to have soft skin and, and then to, to have a hardened heart that's cold and yeah. not compassionate. Fightfortheforgotten.org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We had to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. 
we say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. But I guess the other way, what you're saying means like... um you don't take things too personally often in order to retain compassion for that person. Yeah. I just made a video for a kid today that's going through bullying. And I told him, man, don't, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from big time. And that comparison's the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard one the other day that was like, don't let someone that doesn't know your worth. No, that doesn't know your value. Tell you what you're worth. Mm. No. Can you say that again? I'm going to put this on my TikTok. <laughs> Don't let someone that doesn't know your value tell you what you're worth. Oof, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. I thought so too. Yeah. And just for the parent that asked this question, just realize a uh, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, like it's really hard for them to to tell the difference or not believe the things people say about them. And so bullying is definitely on a scale. I mean, if there's physical violence or an assault, like, yeah, that's, that's normally bullying. Um, and, but, but words, words, words for me cut. I would have rather been beat up a few more times than to go to a costume party, not knowing that there was a premeditated like moment where everyone was going to shame me. Shame is, is the internal battle that we all, we all face and we need to get it more towards guilt for things that we should feel guilt about instead of shame for things we shouldn't feel shame about. If that, if that makes any sense, you mm-hmm. know, so I learned at, at, at treatment was like guilt, guilt says I did something bad and shame says I am bad. Yeah. And so whenever kids are shaming somebody, then, then they'll start to take that on that. I am bad. I am different. I'm not good enough. Yeah. That was broad strokes. Broad strokes. No, I like it. That's good. Are you ready for something totally different? Sure. All right. Let's have at it. How do you show admiration to your partner in your relationship? (laughs) (laughs) This one is not for me, I swear. (laughs) But I did select it. So. (laughs) Adoration. How do you show admiration to your partner in your relationship? I think we've learned a lot about our communication skills and how we receive love. I'm a words of encouragement and physical touch kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you that I adore you. I want to show you I adore you by putting my hand on your shoulder or your hand or your leg. Um, 
but I think you receive it better if I do thoughtful things where, you know, I saw those flowers two or three days ago that were bright yellow lilies and roses and they reminded me of sunshine. And I say that you're my sunshine, my moonshine, my sunshine and my starshine. That might sound silly to a lot of people, but that for me, it's like, it's expanding, you know, it's like the closest to the furthest. And no, I don't I think, think it's silly. Okay, good. Mm-mm. And then, um, you know, trying to make time to, to spend time together, like come out to Miami and we'll spend time just you and me and you, me and some friends and, uh, you know, have a good trip together. Um, do things like meditate every morning. I think that helps increase that connection where sometimes we self meditate like on our own, but Mm -hmm. we're beside each other. Other times we do it right in front of each other and I can pull you into my lap afterwards and put my arms around you. Mm -hmm. Um, you've also, um, I'll just throw this in. You can speak to it. I mean, you've also bowed at my feet for an extended (laughs) period of time. That's true. It's true. That's true. We learned that at at a um with a with a workshop from Stefanos Sifandos yeah. and Christine Hassler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time I did that I think really was uh, at New Year's. You did. Yeah. Our first New Year's together. I was on roller together. skating. I was on roller mm-hmm. skates dancing and we were in a cool group of people. Mhm. And then this song just came on and I was like, "Look at her. You were dancing and you looked all beautiful." And uh I just thought I was prompted, I felt prompted to like, just watch you dance. And so I got down on my knees and had my hands on your calves while you were dancing right mm-hmm. in front of me and you were rubbing your, running your th- fingers through my hair. Mm-hmm. And that was really nice. I just looked up at you for at least one full song, if not two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you haven't done that to your partner, I recommend it. It's, it makes women, you know, makes a lot come up for us. Like, are we worthy yeah. of that? So. Yeah. You, you tried to pull me back up. Remember? I don't remember, but probably you grabbed I did. my hands and you tried to pull me back yeah. up, and I was like, "Just wait, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm soaking, I'm, I'm soaking this all in. Please mm-hmm. let me just watch you dance for a little bit." Yeah, and uh, I think it was special. I, I remember a couple people commenting um, about like um, stepping back and mm-hmm. and, and watching. <laughs> that. Yeah, so it might seem out there for some people, but I think it, for me, it was. Uh, maybe an act of like, wow, I'm just going to take in her beauty, behold, like her being, like who she is. That was a gift of admiration, I would say, for sure. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes our walks. Yeah. Our walks and talks. I love mm-hmm. those. I do too. Holding hands and just communicating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Here's a totally other ended question. Okay. Uh, uh how many diseases have you had? <laughs> Is that a real one? <laughs> or what disease? I don't know what's on the list. Okay. Uh, wow. Um, well, you know what? It reminded me we had a deck of like deadly diseases. I don't know where it is now, but it was... Um, it, like the it, top 30 or top 10? Yeah, it was like the world's 10. deadliest diseases. And, um, and you were like, ooh, let's buy that because I bet I've had almost all of them. No, I've had a lot of them. <laughs> and you Well, had. from reading the deck, and I think they gave it away on the packaging, a lot of it. Yeah, they were, most of them were listed on the pa- packaging, and or the top 10 or something, yeah. and you had like, I've had, had den- seven or something insane. I wish I could find, I wish I could look up that deck, find well, it, I've had but I can't den- find it. Dengue fever. 
Mm-hmm. I've had malaria. You've had malaria more than once, correct? Three, three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had typhoid. Typhoid? Um, yeah. And and the typhoid's preventative. I had the shots for it, but I still got it. Wow. Because it's not 100% well, effective apparently that's if you're, yeah. if you're uh, exposed to enough of it mm-hmm. in a given time or region, like you're going to get it anyways. So it probably wasn't as bad as it could have been, but it was pretty bad. Uh, I've had cerebral malaria, which was in my brain. That I've sounds horrible. Blackwater fever, which I couldn't urinate for five full days. Um, <laughs> oh my and God. my kidneys and liver were failing. Something like 65 to 70% of my bloodstream were parasites. And uh, I was vomiting red and green. How violent. are you alive? You're so tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even going through that stuff that, uh, Bernard was talking about, you know, I've, I've, it's just what they go through. And, um, when he talked about, um, you know, 5,000 people a day die of tuberculosis, you know, I know Sangule and Fina that have both passed and I love them of tuberculosis and, um, waterborne disease. I mean, I've, I'm not listing out a, a lot of it, but I've had an intestinal Amoebas, parasites, um, and bacteria. Uh, so there's, I don't know, I'm forgetting some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's a long list. And yeah. Sometimes that happens. Schistosomiasis, <laughs> which is like a parasite that gets into your skin through like bathing in the creeks or rivers there. Yeah. Well, we only have time for a couple more. Okay. So let's see. I was looking for maybe... A light one to ask before I ask one more big one. Um, well, okay. Let's ask a light one really quick. What's your favorite drink and food? Favorite food would probably be sushi. I love really? Sushi. We don't have sushi enough. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I uh, I haven't done it. We should it. learn to make it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've had one class on it. Mm-hmm. But I... Whenever I fight and go to a new city and it's fight week, I always find a new sushi spot. Yeah. It's just part of my routine is new sushi. Um, his favorite drink. I don't know. I, I re- my favorite drink is God's Gatorade, coconut water. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. You don't like it. I like it fresh out of the coconut. When I was in uh, Colombia, like yeah. they just, you in get Costa it right Rica, there in the street. We yes. Then like, that I love. Yeah. The stuff we buy at HEB, no. Yeah. Harmless coconut Tastes water is pretty weird. good. C2, C2O. I like that brand a lot. There's a there's a few that, uh, if it's pressed, I like that. Yeah. When it's like white and milky. That is one of your favorites. Hmm. Well, good. I just learned something. Yeah. Coconut water and sushi. <laughs> All I also right. also like kombucha. Yeah, you do. I wondered if you were going to say that, actually. All right. So we're going to go with something a little bit bigger. And my... Favorite optimizing drink is Alpha Brain. <laughs> That's right. Of course. It, it actually is. I know. So, you love it. Yeah. In fact, we need more. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you one one more bigger one, and then we'll we'll finish this Q&A. And um, I'm really curious about this one, too. I like this question. What's your deepest fear, and how has it served you? Well, 
I, I'm not sure exactly what my deepest fear is because obviously my greatest fear has been, I mean, like practical, tangible has been public speaking and I've, I've gotten through that pretty well. Yeah. But I would say my greatest fear is being on my deathbed and, and having all the unanswered questions of what could I've done that I didn't do? Who could I have helped that I didn't help? How could I have made this world better, but I chose not to. And so I would say those are the ghost or the things that would haunt me at the end of my life. Why I went to live in the Congo. And one of the questions I had to reconcile when I was dying of malaria and I mean, they said I was almost in an irreversible coma and, uh, I had my mom on a satellite phone saying, please come home. Like, we don't want you to die there. And I was like, mom, they don't know how to treat malaria there. You know, they know how to hear. And so I'm going to trust them. And, but after that, I remember distinctly thinking like, if I died here, would I be okay with that? And it was a yes, because I felt like I was living in my purpose. Like there was a reason I met these people. There was a reason they adopted me. And there's a reason that we were getting traction with buying 3000 acres of land and drilling water wells. And I kind of reconciled in my mind, I'd rather do that than be 80 something years old and have a few people around me that loved me that, um, but still had those questions. What if, what if, and, and not have gone to Congo, if that makes sense. So I think, I think my greatest fear is not fulfilling my purpose and, or not pursuing my purpose with passion. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say it is, is not pursuing my purpose with passion. Whether it's fulfilled or not. If yeah. You, if, if I pursue my purpose It's like what you said passion, about being then, in the cage. It's like, did I give it my all? then it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I want to live a healthy life and I'm starting to really change my life to, to live that like a life in recovery, a a healthier life. Um, and, and do the things to protect me on those trips that I go and like, at least my health. But for me, I would rather slide into home base, um, (laughs) slide into the grave with with some some bruises, some breaks, and some scars, and knowing that I gave it my all, rather than going comfy, comfortable, but like didn't tap into to the reason why I'm here, the reason why you're here, whoever's listening to this, like like swing for the fences, um, go for the the haymaker big punch um, and develop the skills and techniques to, to win this fight called life. We all have to overcome while we all have to rise up and overcome whatever it is, big or small. And so do that, do that thing to, to get you to the life that you're like smiling on your deathbed, not questioning, questioning what if, what should I, what could I, what would I have done differently? 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to sum it up, yeah, the greatest fear is not pursuing my purpose of passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Well, that was a beautiful Q&A, Thank Justin you. Wren. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Amy Edwards. <laughs> My darling. Can I be Justin Christopher Edwards Wren one day? Yes. Really? Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm honored. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. Well, this was great. Thank you. We'll be back with more Q&As too. Yeah, Because we have a ton of questions still. Please I mean, like, follow, <laughs> subscribe, so and yeah. uh, let us know what you're thinking of the show. Mm-hmm. Please do that on Apple Reviews. Um, and ask anything, ask anything, follow or subscribe, uh, to YouTube, to Spotify, to Apple, and that will help us grow the show. We really want it to, to bring you the most meaningful guests with the most powerful stories, the most epic pursuits that that Mm -hmm. you've ever heard. And so please let us know some of those names of people, you know, should be on the show. Absolutely. And big thanks to all of our team, everyone yeah. at Hot Pie Media, and of course, everyone here at our recording studios, Grant, Mike. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to Onnit who makes this show possible. Yep. And you can go to overcome.com, or sorry, onnit.com slash overcome. <laughs> Save yourself 10% onnit.com slash overcome for total human optimization or total humanitarian optimization. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love you. I love you too. Thank you for being here. Much love, everyone. Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.